You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a wealth cap holdings podcast about long-term wealth building and financial independence. Here are your hosts, Chris Evans and Taylor Welch. Hey, 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 everybody. Um, it's Devin with the uh, Real Estate Portfolio Builders podcast, and I have Michael Lush on with me today. We'll give just a couple <clears throat> a couple minutes to let you guys jump on. Let us know in the comments where you are tuning in from, and I'm going to get this streamed into our Facebook group as well um, so that everybody can can watch and we'll have plenty of time uh, for questions and answers at the end. So if anybody has any questions about HELOCs um, or anything that we talk about today, be sure to post your questions in the comments so that we can answer those. And all right, I've got it shared into the group. <clears throat> well, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. We've exchanged several emails, um, and I'm really excited for everything that we're going to talk about today because I'm actually in the process of looking at HELOCs myself. Mm -hmm. um, it is, it's a rental house that we're looking at, and I know um, just earlier today, like I was sharing with you, Taylor did a training for some of our clients from our other business um, talking about first lien HELOC strategy. So there's going to be some really amazing stuff that we get to cover today. So yeah. why don't you share with everybody a little bit about like who you are, what you do, and how you like how you got to be the HELOC guy. Oh man, that's a long story. So right out of college, I started with a mortgage company. Um, a college friend of mine had already started. It was a, I won't give the name away, but it was a subprime company. I uh, didn't do any shady stuff. It was one of the, the many subprime companies that didn't do anything shady. It was the 3% that did something shady that ruined it for us all. But uh, he was working at the mortgage company and said, look, it's pretty easy and I'm making a lot of money. And I said, well, a lot of money is relative to everybody. So what kind of money are you talking about? And he showed me a screenshot or not a screenshot back then. We didn't have screenshots, but he showed me pay stubs and also an email of some of the top performers. And I was like, Whoa, yeah, I'm interested. So went and interviewed long story short, I got the job. Um, the first year I was the newcomer of the year for the company. And I guess I don't want to call it a natural, but you know, I just, I had a gift of sales and mm -hmm. I love talking to people on the phone. And, and that's really what it takes to be successful in sales, just love people and listen to people. And that's what I did and became newcomer of the year and quickly rose through the ranks and became a senior manager with that company. And, you know, obviously offering mortgages. We had a large call center in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it was on my birthday in December uh, in 2007. Obviously, you see the crash coming. And that's exactly what happened. We were a publicly traded company, ninth largest lender in the nation. And on my birthday, they announced that they're letting everybody go and they filed bankruptcy. So I had a property here in, uh, uh, outside of Nashville, Tennessee, in Dixon, a farm in a vacant house. And I'm like, well, I'm going to use this opportunity to move back home because I'm originally from Nashville. So I moved back home. Nine months later, the same owner uh, had called and said, we're starting back up uh, under a new name, obviously, and a new model. Subprime really doesn't exist anymore. So we're going to do these types of loans, and we want you to head up our Nashville operations. So I opened up another call center for him in Nashville and was director of operations and you know, hired the right people, got the right staff on, and we quickly became the number one branch for that company again. And that the where he got the money, uh, he had plenty of money, but you know, in order to start a 14-branch uh, call center nationwide mega lender requires a lot of money. And where he got the money was from a hedge fund. So the hedge fund manager was out of Connecticut, but he would travel to Nashville frequently because his mom and dad lived in Clarksville. And he was for me. And he would do this on occasion. And finally, one time I said, you know what, I want to try to earn his business and get in his sphere of influence. At the time, he's worth several hundred million dollars. Uh, who knows, probably today's a billionaire. But uh, he, uh, I had stopped him and said, look, I want to get in your sphere of influence. And you're hanging out with people who got a lot of money probably big homes, big homes mean big mortgages, big paychecks. Let's scratch each other's back. How can you get me in front of these folks? And that's when he hit me with it. He said, look, 
we don't really use mortgages. And I just made the assumption that that's what he was going to say anyways. They pay cash for everything, right? He said, no, we don't pay cash. We always use other people's money. So he explained to me very quickly, 10 minutes, this HELOC strategy. And that went off in my brain, kind of like a ninja trick. And I just spent a long time trying to figure out how he could be wrong. Because if I could prove him wrong mathematically, then, then I've earned his business. And the more I tried to prove him wrong, the more I actually proved him right. Now, it's not for everybody, but for the folks that he's in business with and he's associating with, the top three tax brackets in America who I really wanted to attract as a client, mathematically, mm -hmm. I could not prove it wrong. He was absolutely right. And I hired a CPA and an actuary to help me out with it. And I just could not prove him wrong. And um, I started studying up on it for quite a bit. And fast forward a couple of years later, uh, I had an interview I think it was like mortgage success or something. It was a podcast um, that one of my good friends, Jimmy Harding was putting on. He's a, a new marketer and he wanted to interview me for mortgage success or how to build a Cause I think he was selling leads to, to mortgage lenders. And uh, he noticed that throughout that interview that I was kind of monotone, didn't have a whole lot of energy, but he asked this one question that, that really, has changed my life ever since was what is that one golden nugget in the lending industry that nobody talks about, but everybody should know. And I said, you know what, this is really shooting myself in the foot because if everybody's doing a HELOC, I'm a mortgage lender. I don't have HELOCs. Most mortgage lenders don't offer HELOCs. Only banks right. do. So this really doesn't benefit me, but yeah, you know, I'm all about providing value. So I just went for it. I said, actually, this is what I've been doing with my own personal finance. Uh, in 2012, I switched my mortgage over to a HELOC and it paid off in about three and a half years. Wow. And I explained a little bit of the strategy. And after the call, uh, he had called me back and said, man, you're on to something. He said a couple of things I noticed, though, that during the call, when I'm talking about building branches and, you know, having X amount of processors for a certain amount of units and underwriters and you know, how many staff it requires to get X amount of units. Uh, he said, I didn't sense any excitement, but when I asked you about that one golden nugget, he's like, you just, you lit up, your energy changed. And he's like, that's your business. That's what you need to do. And I locked arms with him and went down to Boca Raton to do a workshop with him, one-on-one -on -one workshop for about a week. And uh, right there in that week, we built a business and at the time it was called Evicted Banks and then later we would rebrand it as Replace Your Mortgage. Um, but within about 60 days, I was able to replace the income that I had uh, selling mortgages. And I was like, that's it, not offering a mortgage again, uh, hopefully for the rest of my life. And that was in 2014. And the rest is history. Started off small, just me, uh, actually in a closet of my house. So working in, in Thompson Station, Tennessee, uh, my wife has a sister that was a single mother and needed to move in with us to, to help her out. Uh, so she took my office as a bedroom. And so I got kicked out of my office and I went into the spare bedroom and my wife had bought a really small desk that would sit in, inside of a closet. Now, when I say a closet, I'm not talking about a walk-in closet. I'm talking about one of those small closets that you, you got the folding doors, mm -hmm. you got the hangers here it would fit underneath that. So I'd put my printer up here and I'm up there. So when you close the doors, you had no idea that there was an office behind those closing doors. And I worked day and night, you know, getting speaking gigs, getting a line, Facebook ads, um, you know, doing YouTube videos. And uh, it, it honestly, it just, it exploded. Uh, and then, you know, we took it to another level, got an actual professional website, some professional marketers on board that can help promote this message. And uh, it, it's been a really, really fun ride. And it's about to get fun, even more fun. Uh, That's awesome. Yes. So what, what I want to know, and probably mm -hmm. a lot of people watching want to know is, let's talk about how you paid off your primary residence in, in three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make an assumption that that was a first lien HELOC, Correct. right? Yep. Okay. So I had a mortgage. Actually, I used an FHA mortgage to, to acquire the property. And I waited six months because it was a friend of mine that helped me get the mortgage uh, to buy the property. So if you pay it off within the first six months, then the loan officer has to pay back their commissions because the lender never oh. had a chance to make any money. So <laughs> I, I did gotcha. him a solid and I said, you know, I'll wait six months. So I did. I waited six months so that I 
because if I refinance it with the HELOC, it pays it off and uh, there's terminology around it, but I won't get into that, but he has to pay back his commission. So I said, I'm not going to do that, but bet your bottom dollar at six months and one day, this thing's getting refinanced. So I called probably uh, 15 to 20 banks and at each bank, I'd have to talk to no less than four people to explain what I wanted to do because they didn't understand it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm literally explaining to them that it's as simple as refinancing my mortgage, but I want to with a HELOC. And they're like, but you only have 10% equity. I was like, so that's all I need. You do 90% financing, right? Yeah. Okay. Well then that's all I need. They're like, yeah, but how are you going to take 10% to pay off your $330,000 mortgage? I was like, well, if I wanted to refinance my mortgage, my FHA mortgage to a Fannie Mae, could you do that? Well, yeah, it's a refinance. That's what I'm saying. It's just a refinance. But I don't want to end up on a Fannie Mae loan. I want to end up on a HELOC, a simple mm-hmm. interest open-end line of credit. And I explained the strategy. So at 15, 20 banks, no less than four people, finally got this one bank to understand it. And in first lien position, I'm actually helping the bank as well. Because in first lien position, they have first collateral rights to the property, should I default. In second lien position, it's almost an unsecured loan. Because if I don't have any equity or very little equity and I default, well, the mortgage holder gets the property, not them. And they get any cookie crumbs left over in the case of a foreclosure. So in first lien position, I'm actually protecting the bank. And there's some additional benefits that, that I can explain here later on. But I went from what was my, it's hard to remember back then, probably an $1,800 mortgage payment down to a $600 payment. Now, again, that's interest only. So I didn't treat the HELOC as a payment strategy. I treated it like my checking account. So then I started abandoning what I was putting in the check and started dumping everything I was making into my home equity line of credit. And I would operate out of my home equity line of credit. So a HELOC calculates interest very differently than a mortgage. It's simple interest, meaning that Let's say you have a $300,000 balance and the, that day they're calculating your interest charges on that $300,000 balance. But if I put 10 grand in, the next day they calculate the interest on 290, not 300. And it gotcha. may seem like a small difference, but it compounds over time uh, drastically. And, you know, three and a half years is not typical because I was making, you know, what some would consider good income. Maybe not Taylor. Taylor wouldn't consider that good income, but. For me, it was good. He's watching. (laughs) It's also, you know, because we went through a rough patch, obviously, in 2007, where the former company went bankrupt. So we were essentially broke. So me and a wife had our expenses down to a T. I mean, we were living, we could easily live off of 4,000 bucks a month, even in a $330,000 house. uh, We just didn't spend extra. So our budget was nailed down tight. So as the additional money started coming in, it started pounding away at this home equity line of credit. And in three and a half years, it was gone. So remind me, what was your, what was your mortgage payment when you had the FHA loan? It was without FHA uh, mortgage insurance, I would say 1800 to 1900 and it dropped to roughly 600. Wow. That's, Mm -hmm. that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And at that time you have really good intro rates. So that was one help helping factor. Uh, and, And now we're back to that, um, environment. So if you remember in 2012, we had really low interest rates and they mm-hmm. started trickling up in 2015 and 16, and now they've plummeted again. So I had that advantage back in 2012 of really low introductory rates. And then I would do what's called promo rate stacking. So I jump from one promo rate to another promo rate. So it wasn't just one HELOC the entire time. I would refinance it to get better interest rates because it would improve efficiencies. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So a lot of people that are in our group that are watching this, they may or may not own their primary home, but they're also Mm -hmm. very interested in investment properties. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us like some of the different ways that a HELOC strategy could be used to help people who are, they're primarily interested in investing? Mm -hmm. Um, Not, I mean, some own their primaries, some don't. Right. So no different than an investment property. Now, When you try to finance a rental property with a HELOC, that's where the bulk of banks out there don't do it. But there are some out there that will do a first lien position, home equity line of credit on an investment property. Um, And when I say first lien, there are few, very few banks that once they understand it, don't want to be in first lien position. It's a no brainer for them. You know, if I owed you money and you Mm -hmm. gave me money and I said, well, I'm going to collateralize it with my car. 
And then I go out and get another loan from somebody else and I collateralize it with the same car, but I owe you first. Well, you feel protected because you're going to get paid. If you don't, you get the car. Well, the person in second lien position says, well, Devin just got the car and I'm sitting here holding the debt and it's not getting paid off. So once the banks understand first lien position, there's no one in a top level position in the bank that would say, no, we would prefer a second lien over a first lien. It happens. It happens. But bankers are stupid. They're, they're dumber than loan officers. It's true. It's very true. And here's, I'll explain why. A loan officer has to be very educated about what they do because they eat what they kill. They get paid on commission. There is very few loan officers out there that have some type of guarantee or base salary to work off of. They don't get paid unless that loan closes. So if they face an obstacle, they're trying to come up with some complex situations or outcomes, a way to you know finagle this in order to get that person approved because if they don't, they're not going to get paid. A banker gets paid regardless. HELOCs don't pay bankers. Very few bankers actually get paid on HELOCs. And if they do, it's some type of points incentive where if you do X amount of HELOCs over the year and X amount of checking accounts and savings accounts, then we'll give you an annual bonus. But they don't look at it as that one transaction being very important like a loan officer does. So most bankers, I'm not saying all, there are some really good ones out there. And we got some relationships with some really good bankers, but most bankers don't have that critical thought process that a loan officer does. So it's an incentive basis, right? Mm -hmm. Where if you have a $300,000 mortgage, uh, a loan officer could get paid three to five grand on that mortgage. On a HELOC, maybe $250. So gotcha. they're just not as incentivized to offer a HELOC as opposed to a, a mortgage. So, I do have one question from the audience so far. Um, Nathan wants to know, are traditional credit unions able to do HELOCs? Yes. Yeah, we have lots of credit unions that we have relationships with. Um, in fact, on the rental, back to the rental property question, because I don't feel like I didn't answer that uh, good enough, that there are, and in fact, one credit union that's really good at doing investment properties is Pentagon Federal Credit Union, and they will do investment properties across the nation. So they are a credit union that is, they obviously do first lane position HELOC on rentals, but they also do it on primaries. Their primary HELOC is not nearly as aggressive or as attractive as some of the other ones that we have a relationship with, but they are really good when it comes to rental properties. Okay, gotcha. So, and let me let me touch on the interrupt the terms. Yeah, go ahead. On a primary residence, you can get eighty-five to ninety-five percent financing on a primary residence. Uh On a rental property, you're looking at seventy to eighty. It's more of a risk to them, Uh, just from a a credit risk standpoint. A rental property is riskier to a lender, so they drop the LTV, which is loan to value. Uh So, if you're buying a rental property, be prepared to put twenty percent down. Can I'm you, hoping to change that game, though. Here's a question that I don't know the answer to. Can you can you purchase a property with a HELOC, or yes. do you can? You can, and I wish I had known it, this. I wish I had known this in 2012. So there are banks out there, not many. This is less than a handful of banks that will allow you to purchase a property with a HELOC, meaning you're not leveraging another property. Right. Um, you're, let's say you're a first-time home homeowner. And again, a home, a home equity line of credit is not like a mortgage, like you know FHA where you put 3% down. I'll get it. It's not really 3%. You're putting 1.5% down because FHA eats up the other 1.5% that you thought you put down and steals the money. But on a mortgage, you're putting very little money down. Where on a HELOC, be prepared to put 10 to 15% down. But yes, we know banks uh, that can start you out right from scratch on a home equity line of credit in first lien position. That's amazing. I had, I had no idea that was possible. Yes. Like yeah. absolutely no idea that was possible. Yeah. It's not very frequent. Um, you know, if you called a hundred banks, you know, probably 95 of them are going to say no, but yeah, there's a handful out there that, that do it. So how have you figured out like who is willing as far as banks, like who's willing to, to do a purchase with a HELOC or, um, you know, some of the other, other things that you've shared, is that just like years and years and years of research that you've put together? You hit the nail on the head and it's also demand too. So obviously I have a course and that was my business model to sell the education and a consulting package. But the next logical question is, is okay, I have the education. Who do I go to? 
Mm-hmm. So I was spending half of my time on the phone, you know, consulting people and getting clients. And then the other half of my time on the phone with stupid bankers saying, Hey, I've got clients that want your product. And they're like, no, we don't really do that. I'm like, yes, you do. Give me your manager. And I get the man. No, we don't do it. Yes, you do. Get me your executive. Finally get the executive. Like, yeah, we would love that. Absolutely. Like, that's what I thought. So I created a spreadsheet and contact sheet of all these bankers and, and banks throughout the country to service the clients that I was bringing in. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that took years to build the list. I'm sure it, my mind is still just blown that you could actually purchase a property with a HELOC. I had no mm-hmm. idea that that was possible at all. It's um, the terminology. It's what it's called. It's called a home equity line of credit. So everybody focuses on the E, equity, yeah. thinking that we've well, got to have equity. Well, think about it. when you're buying a property, you got to have equity outside of VA and USDA loans. You got to put money down. That's your equity. I really wish they would just call it home line of credit um, instead of home equity line of credit because that our brain naturally goes to, well, you already have to own it and you already have to have equity in order to get it. And that's not true. Wow. So do you have, would you be able to like walk us through a couple um, real world examples? Yeah. Can, Can I be a host and screen share? Oh yeah, absolutely. Let me figure out how to do that um, while we're live here. And for people yeah, that are a calculator for people that are listening to this later on the podcast. Um, sorry, because, <laughs> because you won't be able to see the, there we go. You should be host now. Uh, you won't be able to see Michael's screen. Can you see my screen? Uh, yes, I can. Awesome. Oh, this is exciting. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to just try to use round numbers to make it simple. But if you go to our website, uh, replaceyourmortgage.com, uh, we've got a calculator. Um, and all of this is getting revamped and to look prettier. Uh, but down here, you've got HELOC calculator. And it'll take you to this page. And on this page, uh, I actually have a video. Sorry, I'm going fast. This video explains how to use this calculator. It's very easy, though. Okay. Um, We have other calculators that are far more robust than this, um, but this is the most user-friendly and doesn't scare people as much as some of our other ones. But let's say you're- Can we use me as an example? Can we we do my- Okay. Awesome. So what numbers do you need? Our current balance- uh, the mortgage balance is 105. Okay. And now it's getting personal, though. Do you want all this, your net monthly income and all that out there for the world to hear about? That's I mean, why I was going to use a generic one. I mean, I may not give 100% real answers, but um, yeah. Okay. So, and this is an investment property. Is that okay? It is. Uh, because you can use an investment property as an operating account. And I'll explain what an operating account is versus a payment strategy here in a second. But yeah, it, it okay. works the same way. Because I don't have a primary right now. So if mm-hmm. you think a primary would be a better example than just, you know, forget I said anything or we can it, use me. It doesn't change the math. Um, okay. Yeah. If, if they don't have a primary and it's a rental, a HELOC is, is a HELOC. And a, man, there's so many caveats to that statement too, because there's so many different types of HELOCs, but most HELOCs are simple interest open-end lines of credit. So if it's secured by a rental property, that's fine. If it's secured by a primary residence or a vacation home, uh, vacation home financing is extremely attractive. You can go down to Destin, Florida and put 10% down and start off on a HELOC and rent that bad boy out and look at your cash yeah. flow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so well, now okay. let me, before we get to income, so 105,000 interest rate, I've got three and a quarter in here. Interest rates have plummeted. Um, so that is pretty typical to see on a home equity line of credit right now. Okay. But let's play devil's advocate and let's have a, a higher interest rate. Typically when I'm doing a consultation and walking somebody through this calculation, I will put in that rates are going to increase by half a point every single year. Because again, when I built this business in 2014, we were looking at the interest rates coming up. Um, it hadn't happened yet, but we it's going to happen because it was inevitable that it was going to happen. Um, so in 2000, late 2015 and 16, we started seeing interest rates starting to creep up a little bit. So 
when we were doing a consultation, we say, let's assume the interest rates increase by half a point every single year. It never stays the same. It never goes back down. It just always increases. Right now, we're in an environment where the Fed has already come out and said that they're going to keep rates low through 2021, okay. which is unprecedented. Um, and it's going to be pretty low after that. So just to get everybody comfortable with the numbers, let's leave it at zero. In this column, payoff goal, I consult businesses too, that because commercial bankers will somewhat teach this and show business uh, owners how to use a sweep account to flow money from one division of their business over into another to pay off the business line of credit. So if a business was coming to me saying, hey, we've got this cash flows of business and we want to do a, a, a commercial line of credit and we want to have it paid off in two years. When here I plug in 24 months to show them how much cash flow they got to divert from one division over into another in order to get that commercial line of credit paid off. For a homeowner, this number does not matter at all. Uh, but we have to put something in there just to, just to get the calculator to work. Uh, now we're down to net monthly income. And it's important for people to understand this isn't gross income. This is net monthly income, household income. So anything that you would typically deposit into your checking account. Okay. Um, in, in all accounts for that matter. This is, I don't care if you put X amount towards a checking account and another amount towards a savings account and then you and your wife split it. You got those weirdos out there that they don't want their wife to have their money, but that's fine. They have their own reasons. But this is all of your cash flow. And we are now going to focus all of your cash flow towards one debt, which is your home equity line of credit. And I, I tend to call it an operating account. So if you hear me later on saying it's an operating account, this is where I'm talking about. We are operating completely out of the home equity line of credit. So this is everything after taxes. Okay. So give me, throw me a number out there. I mean, 10 is a good number and five is, is a good number for expenses for this example. I've yeah. got some people in the um, watching online are, are giving their numbers <laughs> so that you can do the math for them. I can do it one-on-one. So after this, I'll drop my contact information and I'll be happy to do one-on-one with these individuals. Okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, I've got 10 and five in there, um, which is for that debt load, um, you, you'll see the numbers. It's really good. Uh, typically, that's not the case. You normally see a debt load of three, 400,000 with that type of income and, and expenses. But let me talk about expenses. This isn't a mortgage payment. So a lot of people make this mistake when they're using this calculator. Well, I have, you know, 4,000 expenses over here, but I also have my mortgage payment of 2,500. No, you're not going to continue to pay the mortgage lender when you just mm -hmm. pay them off with your HELOC. Mm -hmm. So this is all of your expenses. And this doesn't even include your home equity line of credit interest either. That's on the back end of this calculator. And I'll show you the interest charges on that here. But that's already accounted for. So this is, and this is where people get this wrong. It's easy for people to understand that haven't mastered their budget. They understand what their net monthly income is. Mastering a budget is first and foremost, and that's where the tough questions are. What are we really spending on a monthly basis? Mm -hmm. Babysitter, groceries, eating out, vacation, all of that comes into play. So you got to have all of that fine-tuned to know what you're really spending out of this operating account on a monthly basis so that we get real-world numbers. So let's say it's 5000 bucks annual fee. Some of these HELOCs, the banks will charge an annual fee. Some don't. It really doesn't matter. I mean, if this number was 250, you'll notice it doesn't change the math. Well, you can't charge 250. Um, it's against federal relations. 200 changed the math. 35, it doesn't change the math because it's such a low number. And in fact, on our revamp, I'm getting rid of annual fee because it, it doesn't change the math. Uh, but put something in there because that you have to in order to get this calculator to work. But okay. if you see the graph here, this dark blue section. That's how fast that's paid off. 22 months. So less than 22 two years. months. Correct. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I'll click on view report so you can actually see what it's doing. And some people think, well, you've got a calculator that's rigged. No, go to Navy Federal Credit Union. They use the same calculator. Um, go to dinkytown.net. That's where I bought this calculator. All I did was change the names to net monthly income. Um, sorry, I'm in the wrong section. Net monthly income to um, monthly expenses. That's all I did. So I haven't played around with it. In fact, I called the owner of Dinkytown and found out a calculation mistake and, and he gave me several months for free because he was selling this and it was there was some minor calculations that were wrong. But long story short, 
here are your interest charges that I was telling you about that's already calculated in. So this mm -hmm. is your minimum payment. So things hit the fan, you've got loss of income or reduced income. This is all you're required to pay. And I can explain here in a little bit that you're not even required to pay that. Um, but that's what they're expecting on a monthly basis. And I can show you how you can pull from other sources that is not your income in order to pay that. And then here are your charges. Uh, now, we teach advanced strategies to not pull money out of the HELOC for living expenses. Use an offset account like a credit card, like a 0% credit card that gets you additional points and cashback rewards and all that to put your bills and expenses on. Because the more time that your money is sitting in the HELOC and not coming back out, the more it's reducing your actual daily principal balance and the interest charges. So offset accounting actually speeds this up by another 10 or 15%. Wow. As you can see what the balance is doing, you start at 105, 195, 86. One of the benefits I really like about a HELOC is, let's say a year in, you owe 48,000. And you started with a balance of 105, but let's say the property value was 200. What I teach people to do is go get access to 180. Mm -hmm. Not That doesn't mean you have a balance of 180. That means you have access to 180. Right. Because equity in your home is sleeping money. It's not doing anything for you. And some people are like, yeah, it is. My home's appreciating. No, your home is appreciating. The money is not. It's, and it's not even in there at 0%. In fact, it's going backwards because you have inflation. Cost of goods and services go up. So mm -hmm. it's no different if I gave you $300,000, you put it in a tin can, bury it in the backyard, 30 years from now, what do you think the value of that tin can is? Most people would say 300000 It's 122000 Yeah. Because 300000 30 years from now doesn't buy goods and services as it does today because of inflation. So your money is actually going backwards. So I educate people on getting a higher line of credit that you mm -hmm. have access. You're tapped into that equity should you ever need it for many reasons, good or bad. But let's say you're 12 months in, you owe 48,000 and you've got a line of credit of 150,000 mm -hmm. uh, available to you. You got a lot of real estate investors in here. Okay, now you have access to $100,000 at your disposal to go buy some rental properties. Yeah. And obviously with a hundred thousand, you're not going to go buy one property that costs a hundred thousand. You're going to go buy five properties and chop up your hundred thousand into $20,000 down payments and mm -hmm. get a HELOC on each one of those. So you took your hundred thousand and parlayed it into five additional rental properties that are cash flowing, hopefully uh, as they should, if you did the proper analysis, but yeah, that's, you know, there's two methods here. You've got Dave Ramsey who's debt-free then start building wealth. Uh, and then you've got Robert Kiyosaki that says, use other people's money to accumulate wealth. Mathematically, Robert Kiyosaki's method is faster. And I'm not, when I say his method, it, he's a celebrity behind that method. That method was sure. around way before Robert Kiyosaki. It's called Austrian economics. Uh, and Dave Ramsey didn't create the get debt free, then become wealthy method either. He's just a great marketer. Um, but obviously, you've got access to this equity awaken that sleeping money and put it to use to go buy cash flow assets. You all right there, Devin? Yeah, the lights went off in here. I don't know. Oh, there they are. They're on. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there's an earthquake in Nashville. No. In my way. No, um, or you just blew my mind and totally lost concentration. Okay, so this, this house that we're talking about, um, the whole reason that I reached out to you about the HELOC is – because there is about, there's 100K left on the balance, um, but the value of the property is about 200. And that's exactly what I want to do is yeah. pull that equity out and go buy five more houses. So in this example that we're looking at right here on the screen, um, from an investor standpoint, when I see that my minimum payment is 367 why like why would I pay that why would I pay any more than that versus just taking all that positive cash flow and using that for for more investments you you, you do it's just it's where you store cash so think of a HELOC as 
when you're advanced and I got to be careful of what audiences I'm talking to. And obviously your audience is far more strategic than my general customer coming in. Who's learning this for the first time and is not a real estate investor Mm -hmm. or has that thought process or like entrepreneurial process or critical thought process. So you're a hundred percent right, but you have to view the HELOC as a great place to store cash. So when you get paid now, where does your money typically go? Checking account, right? Yeah. Savings account. And what is your rate of return on your check and our savings account? Zero Technically point. negative <laughs> because it's of inflation. Answer. Yeah. Yes, that's 100% right. It's, the national average is 0.17% is what they're paying on checking accounts right now. But you're right because of the cost of inflation, it's negative. So why put it in a checking account when you put it in your HELOC and drive down the balance and reduce your interest charges? Because keep in mind, your line of credit is accessible to you 24-7. So... Mm-hmm. You know, there could be a scenario, actually, this just happened with one of my consultants who uh, he does phone calls for for incoming clients. Um, His mother had a stroke and he needed to hurry up and and move her to Tennessee. And he found a house that was a mile from his house. And because he was a cash buyer, he was able to his offer was accepted um, amongst the other ones. It's Mm -hmm. in Hendersonville. And the inventory there is, is very bleak. But he was able to immediately offer a 14 day close, no contingencies or inspections. And he won the offer and got it for a discount because he was a cash buyer. And where did his cash really come from? His home equity line of credit. So this, yeah, this money is accessible to you 24 seven, no different than if it was in a checking account, where if this is a mortgage, as you're paying it down, your money is trapped. The only way to get access to it is to refinance, which takes 30 to 45 days, thousands of dollars or to sell. And neither two, neither one of those are a good option. Where the HELOC, you access it for no fees. It's your money. Hmm. It's your operating account. So you're operating out of this HELOC just like it's a checking account. Let your money work for you, but you're right. Max that sucker out and go buy some other assets that produce more cash flow. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've got a question from the audience. What is the typical credit score requirement to get a HELOC? And what what are the requirements in general? Um, those might be some great things to go over. Yeah, generally speaking, and again, this varies from bank to bank. So a HELOC is privatized money. It's not government money. Mortgages, by and large, 99% of them are government loans, right? Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, USDA, VA, FHA. Yeah. So guess who sets the guidelines for borrowing that money? The government does. So right. it doesn't matter if you're talking to a mortgage lender in New York, Florida, or California, their guidelines are going to be the same. Their products are not nearly as different as it used to be prior to 2007. However, a HELOC, that is the bank's money. It's not the government's money. So each bank has a different appetite in terms and conditions of what they'll do. I know of a bank out in Utah that do 100% financing. Um, the terms and conditions suck. It's high interest rate and, and whatnot. It's not very attractive, but they'll do 100% financing. Uh, you may have another bank here locally, um, Bank of America they only go up to 75%. Um, so they're not very, the big box banks, I'm not a fan of. Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Chase, et cetera. In fact, I call Bank of America, Skank of America. So they don't typically have good products. It's your local community banks and credit unions that have really good HELOC products, but it is so different from bank to bank and credit union, credit union. An analogy I use is you wanted to borrow money from me or your mother, same amount. Well, your mother trusts you more than I do. So we're going to have two different terms and conditions. It's exactly mm-hmm. the way the banks are. So it is a maze. They have different indices that they base their interest rates off of. Uh, they have different payment requirements. Some are interest-only payments. Some have a minimum payment. Some do a percentage of loan balance payment. Um, some have a draw period of five years. Some have a draw period of 30 years. Draw period meaning when you're liquid. How long can you access your equity to pull money out 24-7. So anywhere from five years to, to 30 years. So it is extremely different from bank to bank and credit union to credit union. Wow. Um, okay, I have a, a, another question. In the example that we were talking about, looking at, at my numbers, saying that, say, mm-hmm. I had, uh, you know, 100K that I could access in the HELOC, pull that out, use that for five down payments, with HELOCs on five new properties. Or a mortgage, you know. Or a mortgage, okay. Because the question was, would you be able to buy five at one time with that strategy? And 
It depends think, on the bank. Some banks allow yeah. 10 properties. Some allow one primary, one investment. Some banks don't do any investment properties. Uh, so it really depends on the bank. But I always am an advocate for a HELOC on a property that you are using as your operating account. What gotcha. you don't want to do is have five different equity lines out there. And you're saying, I got 10 grand coming in, so I'm going to put two over here, two over here, two over here, two over here, two over here. You actually lose efficiencies. The fastest way to do it is to focus on one at a time. That snowball, right? Dave Ramsey was right when it comes in terms of that. So you want to focus, laser focus all of your resources towards one at a time. So since it's only one at a time that you're tackling, sometimes a mortgage makes more sense to have on investment property because then we're looking at payment efficiency. So mm -hmm. let's say you have an investment property you're buying and the mortgage payment is 1200 bucks. And, but if you were to finance it as a HELOC, the interest only payment is $900. Okay. Yeah. It's cheaper by 300 bucks, but on that $1,200, let's say 500 is going towards principal. Well, now you're only paying $700 of interest as opposed to 900 mm -hmm. where it really gets a gray area is let's say the interest only payment on the HELOC is 600 versus the 1200. Okay. Well now you're creating more cash flow that you can redirect towards that one operating account, which is your HELOC that your primary HELOC doesn't have to be a primary residence, but the one that you're focused on, you, now you can redirect those savings towards that and pay interest only on the others. That's when it starts to make sense. But other than that, I generally advocate for mortgages on investment properties and just pay the bare minimum. Get a lowest possible payment that you can on a, on a property and then focus on- And let the, tenant, let the tenant pay it off. Gotcha. So at what point would you- at what point would you HELOC an investment property? Like if, if the one that we're talking about that's mine, for example, I've had it for a while. So there's quite a bit of equity in it. Is that when you would say tap into it when a tenant has paid down your, your debt for 10 years or so? Yeah. And again, you have to analyze each property differently. But if, you've, if your purpose of getting a HELOC on that investment property is to extract equity out of it for another property. Mm-hmm. We then we got to look at the terms and conditions of the current mortgage versus the terms and conditions of a new HELOC in first lien position. And if they're similar, cool, get a first lien position HELOC. If it's not, and let's say the HELOC is inferior to the mortgage, then let's get a second lien position on that property to extract the equity out and leave your low fixed rate mortgage on that property. Gotcha. Make sense? Yeah. Totally. So with the second lien HELOC, that's where you would be able to say, I've got 100K equity in the house. I could pull out 70 to 80K-ish, depending yep. on the bank, and use yep. that for down payments. Okay, cool. Right. And you don't confuse the banker nearly as much when you ask for a home equity line of credit because <laughs> they already think of it as a second lien position HELOC. Gotcha. Now, the downside to that, is in second lien position, you are putting the bank in an inferior position. So one of the questions I get a lot is, well, back in 2007, 2008, 2009, a lot of HELOCs were frozen. That is correct. Well, it's all relative, right? It depends on where you live. So if it was Memphis, Atlanta, Miami, Vegas, parts of California, you know, that, that saw massive foreclosures during that housing uh, crash, yeah, mm -hmm. there were some banks out there that were freezing lines of credit. I would much rather have my HELOC frozen than a mortgage foreclosed on. So I would still opt for a home equity line of credit. And I can get into that here in a second too. But in second lien position, that's that's when that was happening. It was folks that had a, a HELOC in second lien position. And the bank looked at it and said, your home values are dropping and we're not in first lien. Gotcha. So we need to freeze what you have access to so that you can go further underwater first lien position, you're far more protected. In fact, in the housing crisis of 2008-2009, HELOCs had a, over a 100 times lower default rate than mortgages did. And that's why hedge funds today are coming out of the woodworks wanting to buy up first lien position HELOC paper over mortgages because they sense the wave of foreclosures coming. So they want to have paper to offset their losses that they'll get on the mortgage side. They didn't know that prior to the housing crisis. It never happened. Now they've learned which is one of the reasons why one of my affiliate businesses is in business because hedge funds buy up that paper. Gotcha. Well, keep, keep on what you were, what you were showing us. I'm sorry. I was interrupting with the, the questions that we yeah. had here in the group. Yeah, no problem. 
So yeah, again, you've got access to this equity. As you're paying it down, you can access it anytime you want. Now, another thing I'm, I'm coming out with here in a, in a week is a new course. It's a mini course. It's not our, our full-blown package course, but it's a mini course giving people the basics of this. But one of the things that I've added is during this pandemic, we've had a lot of people furloughed, lost their job, et cetera. So let mm-hmm. me tackle how you can actually use your HELOC as an income source. So let's say you're a year in, Devin, and you had a $150,000 limit, but you're at a $50,000 balance. Mm-hmm. With some HELOC banks, you don't even have to make this payment. If you don't make a payment, they just take it from your equity, your own time until the next month. Now, how long could you survive if you didn't have to make a payment because you had no income coming in a long period of time? Yeah. But that's only one snippet of your expenses, you know, 194 bucks, right? Right. You don't have any income. So groceries are expensive. Everything becomes expensive if you don't have income, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's okay to tap in to your equity. So what you could do is pull equity out, say five grand, give 194 back to the bank, your own time, and then live off of the $4,806. Gotcha. Now your balance goes up. And as you see, as your balance goes up, your interest charges go up because your balance goes up. No different than a credit card, right? Mm-hmm. So this is how people can survive a pandemic or even a loss of income where their HELOC can become an income source, not just a low payment source. They've already paid all that down. Why not use it to your advantage? And this will tackle the reverse mortgage market. So reverse mortgages are its big business. You see Tom Selleck with his beautiful mustache uh, on, <laughs> on commercials offering reverse mortgages and endorsing reverse mortgages. And I can tell you as a 17-year veteran of the uh, mortgage industry, reverse mortgages pay really, really well. Like you could do a $200,000 reverse mortgage and it pay you 18 grand in commission. That commission comes from somewhere. Profits come from somewhere. And I tell you exactly where it comes from. It comes from the consumer buying it. So reverse mortgages are extremely expensive and it's limited to people that are 62 and over and you have to have massive equity in your home. Well, the one component in a reverse mortgage that makes it work, can you guess what that component is? A HELOC. A HELOC is built inside of a reverse mortgage. That is the only thing that makes a reverse mortgage work. Interesting. Doggone it. I can go to a bank and get one for free Huh? at better terms. I, you can create your own reverse mortgage and not be 62 and you can live off of your home. That's amazing. When I uh, posted in the group earlier in the week that we were going to do this, um, that we were going to do this live to get today, somebody commented that he took a HELOC out on his house and took some of the money, like, I don't know how much, 40, 50 K and actually used that to make somebody a hard money loan at 18%. And so he was able to access that cash and make some money with it. And then, you know, immediately just, just paid back. Um, and he made an 18% profit on whatever it was that he essentially just borrowed from himself. More than that. I, I have a course on it called bank profit. So Let's say you have, let's use this scenario. The, your cost of funds, the rate on your HELOC, let's say is 4%. And you do a hard money loan. And let's take points out of it and all that, because that's just a, we all know if we're doing hard money lending, the points is what our real profit is, right? Um, but we're looking to get a rate of return. So if you go from 4% and offer somebody a 12% hard money loan, uh, is that competitive in the marketplace? I think it is 12%, pretty yeah. competitive. So let's say you offer them a 12% uh, hard money loan. What is your rate of return from 4% to 12%? What's your rate of return? 8%. No, that is your margin. Okay. Your rate of return is 200%. How is that? Think of it in terms of take the percent off and call it a dollar. Okay. You turn $4 into 12. Gotcha. You got a 200% rate of return. You're not getting that in the marketplace. And that's outside of the points that you charge in order for them to acquire your hard money loan. So that's one of the things that Alan Greenspan did in the 1981 uh, credit crisis that everybody's scared of a HELOC because they think that they're all variable and they're not, some are fixed, but they're scared of variable rates because of the one time interest rates exploded in 1981 and went through the roof. 
technically there's regulations and caps in place now that, that, that prevent that from ever happening. It's against the law for that to happen. But what Greenspan did was, all right, banks are failing. So banks, here's what I'm going to do. And this is how you're going to get a rate of return and, and triple and quadruple your money and get your balance sheet right in a matter of months. And it's, again, this is what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. So again, Alan Greenspan, 1981. So what he did is interest rates were nine, or I'm sorry, the Fed rate was probably 9%. Banks were lending it out at, at 16%. You know, rates went through the roof at 16, sometimes 18%. He said, what I want to do is I'm going to slash interest rates, the federal prime rate. I'm going to knock it down to 3%. And that may not be accurate. It's three and a quarter or something like that. But it's easy for me to think of 3%. So now you're going to lend. So at 9% and lending it out at 16%, what is that, like a 66 67% rate of return, uh, cash on cash money? So if I lower the interest rates to 3%, and then now you lend it to the consumers at 9%, one, we spur on economic activity because interest rates drop. So now we get more people buying houses and whatnot because interest rates drop. But if you're lending it out at 9% and you borrowed it at 3%, what's your rate of return? 200%. So banks, I just took you from a 67% rate of return to a 200% rate of return. Wow. And that's a part of how... Feds and monetary policy with banks work together. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, so I we know- can do the same thing as consumers. We can become the bank and do the just think like a banker. Well, not a banker. That's a horrible example because again, they're stupid. Think <laughs> like a bank owner. Think like a bank owner. Okay. And if, if you're a bank owner, um, and we get into insurance too, where you can be all four parties of the transaction. You can be the bank owner, you can be the banker, you can be the borrower and the uh, the depositor. So you're now parties of all four, or you're all four of the parties of that transaction. That's amazing. I know, like my my head is twirling just listening to all this. Um, I do have a copy of your book and Mm -hmm. I flipped through it. Changing the cover, by the way. Okay. Um, I, uh, I flipped through it pretty quickly, but is that, do you have that somewhere on your website where people can can download it? Yes. Or okay. Yep, um, yep. Do you want to share with? Because it's been a couple months since I read through it, mm-hmm. um, but I think there's a lot of people paying attention that would benefit from that. So where yeah, can absolutely. That? So right here. Replaceyourmortgage.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you've got uh, the the free book right here down in the footer, or you can click here. Uh, to get the, the book and download it. Uh, again, we're going through a revamp. So I'm, I'm taking my ugly mug and, and, and his mug off the cover and replacing it with logo because I think it sells better as opposed to having two ugly people on the cover. Uh, but yeah, and I'm also rewriting it because I wrote it five years ago and times have changed. So it's time to, to update it. But it's still relevant. Don't get me wrong. It's still very, very relevant. No, I thought it was great when I, when I read through it. And um, you've shared a ton of information so far with us today. I don't think I see any questions um, that we haven't gotten to yet in the comments. Mm-hmm. So let's talk just a little bit about um, what the application process is like for somebody who's, who's going to you know, see about getting a HELOC, whether it's first or second lien or, or what. Um, how does that compare to like the mortgage pre-approval process? What kind of documents are needed? Um, you know, is there like minimum income, credit yes. scores, any of those things? Yeah. So credit scores, let's talk about guidelines and then we'll talk about the, the actual application process next. But guidelines, uh, it's best to have 20% equity uh, okay. if it's a primary home. Um, if it's an investment property, you can still have 20% equity because some still will do um, – you know, 80% financing, but the more equity you have, the better um, for first lien. Um, 680 plus credit score. Yes, there are some credit unions out there that go much lower than that. And there's a lot that actually don't even use credit scores. It's just like a point system. So if you have this credit score, you get X amount of points. And if you have this much equity, you get so much points. If your debt ratio is low, you get this many points. And if they have a collective of five points, you win, you get the loan. Uh, but by and large, what we're seeing, especially during the pandemic, that banks are increasing their requirements to get a home equity line of credit. 
So what we like, we, we don't allow a client that doesn't have a 680 plus credit score. Gotcha. And then, you know, equity again, yes, there are banks that do 90% plus loan to values. Uh, so you don't have to have very much equity. I won't accept a client unless they have 20% equity. And then the biggest thing is cash flow positivity. So this is not a one size fits all. This is a one size don't fit most. This is like yoga pants. Some people wear them and a lot of people shouldn't. So, gotcha. Um, so yes, I mean, we are looking, you got to be cash flow positive and that doesn't mean that you're making a hundred dollars more than what's going out. You know, I consider that still living paycheck to paycheck because if you dump money in and then turn around and take it back out, you're on a treadmill. You're not getting anywhere. Right. So the only way to pay down principal is to pay down principal. And you got to do that by being cash flow positive, meaning you're making substantially more than you're bringing in. Mm-hmm. And then again, you can use the calculator to determine if your situation meets that standard. So, you know, now, yes, it, there, you could have a, the calculation where I've got 28 years left on my mortgage and it's saying I can get it paid off in 22 years. Michael, I want to be a client. No, no, I, I need to see bigger results than that. I want to see something less than 15 years. Our average client pays their home off in five to seven years uh, or think that they're going to pay it off in five to seven years. And then six months into our education, I'm like, doggone, I'm going to go buy some more income because that's just really what we're doing. We're using yeah. our equity to go buy income. Um, so then they just max it out. And I, I paid my house off once uh, just to say I did it. And then I learned a lesson. I, now I'm just, I'm going to continue to leverage and max that sucker out and, I bought a business a year and a half ago uh, and, you know, I did a, uh, another business with flipping homes. So I'm constantly finding opportunities to leverage my equity to go buy myself some more income. That's awesome. So. Oh, process. Yeah. The process. So the process, well, let me back up to debt ratio. So let's say you have a debt ratio on a mortgage of 45%. And that's mm-hmm. typically what you need to have. Debt ratios, uh, uh, DTI, you know, so what is your monthly debts reported to your credit report and your taxes and insurance in relation to your gross monthly income? Because banks are looking at it at gross monthly income, where we as a company look at it as net monthly income. Because we want to see what reality is. We don't care about the part that Uncle Sam takes. So uh, a mortgage at 30 years, your payment's not going to change. So they base your debt ratio off of a 30-year amortization. Well, mm-hmm. a HELOC is not a 30-year amortization. It's, for the most part, a 10-year draw period where you could max it out and not pay it down at all in 10 years. And if you don't, then on uh, 10 years and one month, they close it in and make it a 20-year mortgage. So they have to look at it as a different stress test. So this is the part where it's more stringent to get into a HELOC than it is a mortgage because they may look at it as if you qualify for a 15-year mortgage, you're probably going to qualify for a home equity line of credit. Now, I have a bank, and then there are some other banks, because I, I bought into a bank, and ours does it on a 30-year amortization, and I know of one or two other banks that do a 30-year amortization, uh, because we understand that it's going to first lien position, and we understand what the consumer is going to do, where these other banks, they don't understand this. They don't know this, so they don't know what the consumer is going to do, so they typically will stress test it on a 15-year amortization. So if you have a 45% debt ratio applying for a mortgage, you're not going to qualify for a home equity line of credit. But if you can qualify for a 15-year mortgage, good chances you'll qualify for a home equity line of credit too. So that's the part that's more stringent. Now the process, it is almost identical to getting a HELOC as it is a mortgage. Appraisals, application, look at the pay stubs, tax returns, things of that nature. Um, it is less paperwork on a home equity line of credit because, again, you don't have all those federal documents and stuff for mm-hmm. FHA. And you don't, you never have mortgage insurance with a home equity line of credit. Um, you don't have to escrow and you shouldn't escrow with a home equity line of credit. So a lot of those documents don't play a part of it. Uh, and also all that new stuff that came about in 2010 because of Frank Dodd does not apply to HELOCs either. So you still get a good faith estimate. You still get a settlement statement and things of that nature. Um, so that part is different, but, you know, as a consumer going into it, it you'll feel like it's almost identical to a, a mortgage. There's some variances, like some banks will do what's called an AVM, an automated, automated valuation model, where an appraiser is not actually coming to the house inside to look at it. They just look at it on a computer model and determine what the value is. I'm not a fan of that because you don't get a true, you know, by and large, you don't get a true 
uh, valuation of your home. And if you don't, and they value it lower, you have access to less equity. Doggone right. it, I want to pay for a full appraisal. Let's get an appraiser out here so I can get more value and more access to my equity. Um, but the process is, is pretty identical. Gotcha. Um, okay. Like, are there any, um, like final golden nuggets that you really want to, to share with, with people that are, you know, thinking about trying this strategy if they want to learn more? And then of course, how do they, how can people get in touch with you? Yes. So just to this group, I'm, I'm launching in a couple weeks, another course at a different price point. Typically, my consulting package is almost 4000 bucks. The marketer, marketing team tells me don't say 4000 because that sounds higher than $39.97. And that's true. I get it. But I'm a lousy marketer. It, it, let's call it 4000 So typically, I charge 4000 for a consulting package. What I've, I've done over the last couple of months is design a course that gives people the, uh, the basics and a lot of cool nuggets. And it gets into the more granular detail of how to do this and what to watch out for. There's a lot of things to watch out for that you can get tripped up on on a home equity line of credit. Some people end up getting a home equity loan and they're looking at the disclosures because the banker heard home equity line of credit, worked it up as a home equity loan and second lien position, which is not the same at all. It's a closed in loan. Uh, and then they close on it. And I had two instances where they send me the disclosures. I review it during the rescission period and say, no, rescind now. That's not what you want. So they did and canceled that whole process and then started the, the appropriate way. Uh, indices, you know, some people are, are going out and trying to focus on LIBOR because my book five years ago when I wrote it, LIBOR was a really cool index to base your HELOC off of. Well, LIBOR is going away. So now I'm a big fan of the, the six-month T-bill. Uh, but lots of banks out there have uh, prime rate. You know, so I navigate people through those decisions. And, you know, what does it mean in calculation if you get a HELOC that is either an interest only payment requirement from the bank or one that is a minimum payment? Because let's say you have a $300,000 HELOC or in this scenario, 105, your minimum payment is 367 if that bank only requires an interest only payment. But what if that bank required a $2,000 payment? What does that do to the calculation and how do you navigate that? It's actually not that big of a deal, but somebody's got to show you, show you and walk you through that process. So just for this group, I'm going to launch my other course and it's $497. So it's a 10th of the price of what I normally charge. Uh, and they can contact me directly at Michael at evictthebanks.com or Michael Lush at Replace Your Mortgage. Michael at Replace Your Mortgage goes to the marketing team and it'll get lost and never ever land. So either Michael at Evict the Banks, uh, and yeah, that was the website prior to the, the brand rebrand of Replace Your Mortgage, and banks didn't like that. So I had to get a different email address. <laughs> so you can email me there. I kind of use it like it's my personal email address, or they can email me at Michael Lush. L-U-S-H, just like the alcoholic, at replaceyourmortgage.com. And if they want to contact me, I can walk them through this calculation and get them going, and they can get a sneak peek of what it's like to be in our platinum course where we teach, um, obviously, advanced strategies uh, with a home equity line of credit, how to offset account and speed up this process, another 10 to 15%. Um, we get into infinite banking concepts, which uh, I learned three, three and a half years ago from my financial mentor, Jim Kindred, and that is really the holy grail. That takes this to a whole different level, which is utilizing insurance to become your own banker, uh, whole life insurance, cash value, mutually owned whole life insurance. And if they want that, those policies, then go to Chris Robinette because that, that's who hooks me up too. So we teach those concepts. Um, we get into high level real estate investing, not like you guys do. Uh, we don't get that deep into real estate investing. Uh, but there's more to us than just teaching home equity line of credit strategy. And that's with our, our platinum series course. But I want to give people a sneak peek of who we are and what kind of value we can bring to them from a consultative approach. So if they wanted to jump on board, they can do so for 497. And if at a later date, they want to join our community that's really crushing it. I've got over 3000 clients in our platinum course that uh, has access to, to more education uh, and more mentors. Right on. Well, thank you so much for uh, jumping on with me today, Michael. And you are in our um, Portfolio Builders Facebook group. So as people are watching this later, if they have questions, um, they can they can tag you in the comments. And um, 
I am really grateful. I learned a lot and I think I need to read through your book again. Um, to I'll send, <laughs> just you, to I'll send you another one for free. You send me another one for free. Okay, yeah. cool. So thank you again so much, everybody. Um, if you have questions for Michael, you know how to get in touch and um, we will see you guys again soon. We'll bring you some more awesome training. Thank you so much, Michael. Have a great rest of your Thanks, day. Jane. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate, even without experience, in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started, by visiting wealthcapholdings.com slash book. That's wealthcapholdings.com slash book.